Hello, it's me. How are you doing? Just a quick reminder, last minute, that we are hosting, that's me and Antler Social, are hosting a TikTok full day workshop bootcamp masterclass at Studio Z in Brixton. There's about 10 tickets left, something like that. So I'd really, really implore you to grab your tickets and get down. It's not going to be available online. We're not going to be selling it after. It really is a once in a well, wee while chance for you to learn everything that you want to know about TikTok. TikTok is the thing that everyone's talking about, everyone wants to know about, and for just a couple of hundred pounds, you're going to be able to come along and get at least six hours of the brains of Antler Social, all of their experience, talking about TikTok best practice and how to use it, weaponize it for hospitality, branding and sales. Just go to Eventbrite, search Antler Social, location London, and you'll be able to pick your tickets up there. I really hope that we'll see you on the day. Supersonic. 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 Welcome to Supersonic Hospitality Marketing with me, Mark McSee, where we meet the most interesting people in hospitality, marketing, business, and beyond to hear tips, tricks, and tales to help your brand boom. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity, and serve guests better. Hey there, my name is Paul Barron. I'm the founder of I Am Donna. We are the restaurant chain on a mission to revolutionize the kebab. In 2016, we opened our first site in Leeds with massive ambitions to go global. But first, we needed a change. Being a chef, I've always been a bit skeptical about being pushed down the technological route. But what it's done for labor and customer service has completely changed the game for us. We partnered with Vita Mojo to introduce their all-in-one restaurant platform. We now take 100% of our orders digitally through kiosks, click and collect and delivery channels. We've waved goodbye to the manual processing of delivery orders as we now have all our delivery partners integrated through Vita Mojo. We only need to do one menu push when updating menus across all platforms. Orders from all channels come into one screen in the kitchen making the operation faster and more efficient. The throughput is four times faster and we've seen a 35% increase in ATV. Our partnership with Vita Mojo has transformed I am Donna. It's a massive part of our revolution. Find out more at vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic. Hi, just before we get into the show proper, I had a message from our silver sponsors, Creventa. I was at an awards ceremony the other evening in London and it was fabulous, but I'm now, due to some health issues, a painful guest to invite. I'm now alcohol-free, dairy-free, gluten-free and many, many other things. And that means that when you're going to an event, you can feel a bit of shame as a guest when you are responding to someone that's collating all the menu requests because you don't want to get them too much hassle and just thinking about it actually using something like creventa.com would have made it a far better experience for me and for the team that were collating hundreds and hundreds of menu requirements 
and also thinking about them passing that on to the chefs, the venue, the waiters, the teams over there to make sure that the guest gets exactly what they need and they have the experience that they want. So if you're hosting any corporate events or indeed your venue hosts many, many of these parties, weddings, celebrations, I would really, really recommend getting in touch with Creventa.com. Creventa really is the answer to all of your problems as they have a seamless system that lets you email or text all guests individually to then get them to pre-order their food and drink plus create your table plan with their drag and drop system ensure that all the details and payments are correct plus it really feels great when you get to the table and there's a super clear menu table name placement there which then says everything that you're going to be eating and flags at a glance any allergens or guest dietary requirements that you might have. Creventa helps your guests have the best experience which will be long remembered which means great word of mouth and great repeat business. You'll get booked again and again and again. It will give you huge benefits as a host or as a venue and from as little as £99 per month per venue you really have a seamless experience at your fingertips. With Creventa you'll not only save time, money, staff, resource and omit any human errors because we can do that sometimes you'll also help the planet by reducing food waste by around 18 percent which is massive so if you host hold or run events you need creventa just go to creventa.com now to experience the future of seamless event hosting Well, hello there. Welcome to my lucky number, series number five. I've really been sitting on my hands for this one because the episode's been recorded for, oh, the last four to six weeks, something like that. So it is big, big, big guest time. And I really wanted to kick off this series with someone gargantuan. In the past, we've had Fatboy Slim, we've had Gary Vaynerchuk and a whole host of royalty all the way through the gamut of hospitality and beyond. But today, I think we've got the pinnacle guest that we've ever had and the guest that everyone wants to get close to, wants to know and just wants to understand a little bit more about how the hell they actually do it. So it's my great pleasure today and with great fortune that I introduce my next guest who is Nick Jones, founder of of Soho House and Co. I've been such a fanboy of Nick and everything that Soho House does for many, many years and I'm lucky enough to be a member so enjoy going to the new one in Brighton and I can't wait for Manchester to open and there's talk of Glasgow on the podcast as well and many, many other international openings so I cannot wait to get those ticked off my bucket list. With Soho House, you just know you're there. You know you're in a Soho House And it's almost like a Wes Anderson movie where the brand codes, the look, the framing, the attention to detail, every single facet of that brand is completely considered within an inch of its life. It's so hard to pull off. It's in the hardest to do box and it's where 99% of operators and brands fail. I have no idea how they do it. It's Nick being superhuman and the rest of the team being superhuman, but boy... 
Are we proud of them coming from the UK and exporting this wonderful brand of hospitality right round the world? So in today's episode, we cover entrepreneurship. We talk a bit about hospitality recruitment and the crisis that we're all facing. And we also get into what's next for Nick and for Soul House. Get strapped in. I think you're going to want to listen to this more than once. And I hope this is a part one of many chats I'll hopefully have with Nick over the years. I loved every single second of it. It really was one to just really savour. And thanks also to Bradley who came along and filmed some of it for Hospitality Rising too. Anyway, here we go. Live-ish from 180 The Strand. Here is Nick Jones, one of the greatest guests we've ever had. So it gives me the most picante, extra spicy pleasure ever to introduce my next guest who really needs no introduction. And it is the wonderful Nick Jones, who's the founder of Soho House and Co. That's right. Yes. <laughs> I always pause if there's going to be a re in it. That's it. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. Well, thank today. you for having me, Mark. Oh, it's, it's really exciting. And um, no, there's there's been a few peak guests and uh, you, you get the nerves a little bit when, when you're doing it. So in the last little while, we did the uh, Fatboy Slim, which was really super exciting. And you're just sitting going, this guy knows the Beastie Boys. You know? <laughs> well, he's a hero of mine. And he got married at Babington. He did? Yes. That's right. Yeah. Well, when was that? Like 20 years ago or something? Well, was that? Maybe longer, more. Longer, yeah, yeah, longer. yeah. Fantastic. And uh, do you remember that day when you did we there I for was it? There. I was lucky enough to be invited. Wow. Fab- fabulous. Yeah, yeah. I He's bet. such a nice guy. He's the nicest guy and he does so much for the community in yeah. Brighton. So many DJs. He's played Soho Beach. Yeah, he's done show. all that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's fantastic. And, you know, it was really weird during COVID. Like, he was serving you your cappuccino. Yeah. At the thing. You're like, oh my God. So, yeah. No, big, big, big hero. So, yeah. So, thanks so much for doing this. And then, obviously, your twin has done this as well, Robin Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> he's got much better hair than I have. <laughs> than most of us. <laughs> than most of us. Exactly. Okay. Well, um, I've just came off the back of, actually, I was saying to you, it's the first time I've been in London since November, um, just sort of taking a bit of time down in Brighton and enjoying it. And on the way up, I was listening to, you must know, uh, Brent Holberman from yes, lastminute.com. of course. So Brent's my old boss. Um, I used to work there when I was a kid, you know, and I was just listening to his words of wisdom on entrepreneurialism and, and things like that. So it might be a good place to start, actually. Well, where, I mean, and also just on Brent, because, mm. I mean, you're recording this from 180 in the Strand and Brent's offices are here at 180 in the are Strand. Are they? Pandas Forum are upstairs. Is it? I didn't know that. Yeah. So oh, there you go. You fantastic. You might bump into him on the way down. Yeah, well, that, that would be amazing. And um, yeah, he, he did such a fabulous podcast yeah. and it is quite hard to hear, I guess, for people that are millennials and younger about what it takes to to do this, you know, and be an entrepreneur. So he was talking about people that are entrepreneurs, so people that are obviously wanting to be, but he was saying you probably have to give up sort of 95% of your life to this, yeah. you know, and it's obviously going to be something that you really enjoy. So just starting there then as, as an entrepreneur, what did you find, you know, from, from starting this out? You know, what advice would you give that type of thing? Well, my advice would be go for it mm. because I I love people you know, younger people who have a dream, have an ambition and believe in something. Mm. And lots of people come and speak to me and ask me my advice. And I always say, give it a go. Yeah. Because <clears throat> you know, that, that, that's the moment where 
it, it, it's easy. I mean, I remember myself, I could have stayed with Trust House Forte. I was sort of progressing up their management sort of structure. Mm-hmm. It was safe. Every job was slightly bigger than the last job. And then I decided to pack it all in and go and work in sort of fast food restaurants, um, uh, casual dining restaurants mm-hmm. to really get that experience before opening up on my own. And obviously I don't regret it. Yeah. And what which fast food restaurants did you go to then after the, the Trust House 40 days? Well, I, Pasta Mania, I don't know if you remember that. Oh, um, no. You, you're probably too young. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was sort of, you know, a mid-market, casual dining. They opened loads of them. The, the sauces were made all centrally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically... You just opened the sauces and poured them over pasta, yep. cooked pasta, yep. and that was pasta mania. And they oh. opened lots of them very quickly. I went and got a job from Trust House Forty. I was a marketing manager at Grosvenor House, mm-hmm. um, which sounds grander than it is. It I mean, does. I was twenty-one, uh-huh. and I was cheap, so that's why I got that job. And <laughs> I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed the team, and I learned a lot. But it sounds—I was probably more like a marketing assistant, mm-hmm. and. You know, I'd been done all my operational um, training apprenticeship with Trust House Forte. So yeah. I had worked through, I did a year in the kitchens. I did six months behind the bar. I did six months in a restaurant. I did finance accounts. I did front office. I did every department over a three, four-year period. Mm-hmm. And then I went and worked at Trust House Forte's central office in Slough mm-hmm. in their marketing department. Lovely. As a sort of as as a trainee, yeah, and then from there, I was lucky enough to get the job at Grosvenor House, yeah. And but I always sort of knew it was because I wanted to do my own thing, yeah. And so Passamania was um, one of those places, and then the other place I worked was I was night manager at Maxwell's in Covent Garden. Oh yeah, and and that was brilliant because it was a super busy restaurant. Um, I only worked nights. I had to count the cash every night before going home. No credit cards in those days. Yeah. It was where the opera house is now. Mm-hmm. It's now demolished. Maxwell's has moved. Mm-hmm. And it taught me a great deal. Yeah. Um, and how to run a really busy restaurant, even though I was only the night manager. And then I was able to, during the day, work on my plans for my own restaurant. And then just, you know, think pulling at that thread then. So Brent talks about entrepreneurs have something to prove they have a chip on their shoulder a little bit and they have a slight obsession um you know about something is is that what started those thoughts about having your own thing when did that start um well I like Brent very much and I agree with Brent on lots of things I I, I don't know I, I mean I, I'm I probably do have a chip on my shoulder <laughs> but I, I, I don't think that's what led me yeah into starting my own restaurant. I I, I just felt there was an opportunity mm-hmm. and it, it sort of goes back to what I really loved, which was a room full of people having a good time. Mm. That was my obsession. Yeah. And all through my childhood, I'd work at the local sports club behind the bar. I would sit around when my mum and dad had people around for supper and see how they did it. I, I loved people having a good time. Yeah. I loved conversation even though I was a very shy kid Mm. I love watching it and I love the interaction of what food drink and an atmosphere of a place can do Mm. to people's lives and I I think that's what drove me into 
opening my own place. And I just thought, and we've got to think this was back a long time, over 40 years ago. Mm. You know, we were in a country where Britain was not, you know, it's, it's brilliant now, yeah. Britain at hospitality. Mm-hmm. But 40 years ago, you know, we still didn't have, we had pubs and we had restaurants and we, you couldn't really eat anywhere in the afternoon. You couldn't really have a drink anywhere after 11pm. You couldn't have breakfast anywhere. And in the last 40 years, somehow we've been able to join that all together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the creation of so many great places and also a lot of talent has come into hospitality, which has made, I think, life for people who live in Britain Mm -hmm. and people who visit Britain much better. Yeah, no, it's interesting you say that. I was doing a podcast with a professor the other day, Professor Peter Jones, and he had said that what we need to do, exactly as you're saying, is the people who are enjoying those great times is actually to try and persuade them to want to be the makers of those great times as well, you know? And how could we flip customers to say you could serve other people too and, and actually pass it on to them. So there could be quite a niche in there, you know, to get people into hospitality well, that way. you know, I talk a lot saying about the fact that hospitality is just, you know, I, I, and, I, and I look at it myself and I think, well, I was a very shy kid. Mm-hmm. I was pretty useless at school. I, you know, didn't really get many exams. I... My A-level, I got an E in economics. Mm-hmm. Um, I was severely dyslexic. Um, I lacked confidence. Mm-hmm. And, but this hospitality and, and the sort of belief that I could, you know, I was going into an industry which 40 years ago seemed less competitive than it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I, and I really wanted to learn it from the... I wanted to learn every part of it. Mm-hmm. And I really recommend everyone, you know, there's no fast route. Yeah. You know, I think you need to just be patient and learn it because mm-hmm. if you learn it properly at the beginning, then you really benefit later on. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, I went... I, I, I was from a comfortable middle-class family. You know, I was one of those very few people who were privileged enough to go to a private school. Mm-hmm. You know, so I... I, I came from a comfortable-ish nest. Mm-hmm. And my first job on my apprentice scheme with Trust House Forte was the kitchens of St George's Hotel in Langham Place. Mm-hmm, I know. And, you know, I went in there and I was surrounded by quite brilliant people. But mm-hmm. there were people who came from very different backgrounds from me, different countries, different continents. Yeah. And I think that really pulled the shyness out of me and it taught me so much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the the team feeling that you have in hospitality, Mm -hmm. you know, just in those kitchens in those early days, Mm -hmm. you know, I became good friends of theirs. I used to go out with them in the evenings. And, you know, it really developed me as a person to get on with people. Because I think if you can get on with people, then that is such a magical ingredient for the rest of your lives. Yeah. And I think getting on with people, which you can't really learn on a laptop, <laughs> um, and but you can in real time and real life, mm-hmm. and learning to get on with people, plus learning these great skills, which you have forever. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't stay 
in hospitality, you can always make a cocktail or make a bed or clear a table full of plates yeah. or, you know, whatever, change a light bulb. You know, it's, yeah. it, it just teaches you everything. Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of great things there. I think that's always advice I've had, which is, and in fact, you might be able to pass that on to the Scottish members of your family. There's a phrase called, you'll get a jelly piece at any door. Which means that you're just a good person and you've got the gift of the gab and, you know, if you're hungry, someone will sort you out, sort of thing. So I've always thought that that there's an EQ, IQ uh, imbalance slightly where I think having the EQ actually can get you so much further than having the IQ, you know? And if you can frame it and get on with people and, you know, and and empathise with people and understand where they're coming from and things like that, I think... That's something that hospitality definitely teaches you as well because you've got difficult customers, you've got difficult workmates, you've got great ones and all the rest of it. And also, if you can turn your hand to an amazing Sunday roast like you do with your chicken, um, you know, and pass those tips well, thank on. Thank you for that, Mark. Oh, you know, I, I, it's thank incredible. You. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I've tried many times and failed <laughs> to make that. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of that, I think it, it can get you so far. But in terms of, um, you know, hospitality in general, and from that middle-class background, was it a disappointment that you were going into that? Was there a path laid out for you by your parents? Or what What, what was the thoughts? Well, my dad um, ran and owned a small insurance-broking company, mm-hmm. which both my brothers had gone into. Mm-hmm. And the door was open to go into that. But, and this is no disrespect to insurance and no disrespect to any member of my family, but it wasn't that interesting mm. you know it, it it i just didn't it just didn't tittle me mm. and i thought well that's what they've done mm-hmm. and you know my brothers were better at school than i were they were better sports people they had you know they they, they had girlfriends and i struggled with girlfriends <laughs> and and so i i think in it and this is probably where the entrepreneurial ship sort of comes out a mm. bit is there was a point to prove mm. and I wanted to do something different yeah and then at that time as well then you know you've you've went to Pastamania I'm always I'm always curious about anything with mania at the end of it you know sushi you mania should yeah. you should be <laughs> I'm always a bit like we might we might not eat there tonight darling um so in terms of you then starting you know your your own restaurant I mean where do you even begin? Because there's capital, there's planning, there's staff, there's equipment, there's, you know, all that well, stuff. Well, you know, I did the... I, I was determined to give it a go. Mm-hmm. And, and and I look back and I was too young and I should have waited mm-hmm. and I should have learned a bit more. Um, but family and friends, I, I raised the money, bank loan, and I opened the first restaurant. And I thought I knew, mm. but I didn't. Yeah, And I got a restaurant site in Fulham Broadway. I paid a premium. Mm-hmm. I think they'd give it to anyone nowadays. <laughs> it's, it was such a bad site. And I got some designers who, you know, I wasn't confident in design myself then, so the design wasn't great. Mm-hmm. The food and the liquor, um, the drink, you know, the food was not good. Um, the service was a bit shambolic. Mm-hmm. And this is all down to me no mm-hmm. one else and it 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 wasn't a, a great experience for anyone who went to eat there yeah. and it really taught me very very quickly two things a the customer is the smartest person in the world they suss it out so quickly mm-hmm. they suss out good bad indifferent so quickly yeah 
And secondly, it taught me how to survive Mm -hmm. and how the fact that just because I got it wrong this time didn't mean that I was a failure. Mm -hmm. It just meant that I was on a journey and I needed to change Mm -hmm. and I wasn't frightened of changing. Yeah. Well, I I think chalking up those failures is a one of the fastest ways to learn, but also you should semi-celebrate it in a way, right? Because it's going to make the next version of you better and closer and hungrier. You know, always, I always think it's it's a great thing, you know, when you when you see those. Because if you've just coasted through and everything's a win, you know, like a lot of the, you know, sound like an old guy, but a lot of the generations coming through, you know, the, no one's getting the winner's medals and all that stuff. They don't really know when they've got punched in the face, you know. So that I, I think that's a really great thing to look at. Um, and then this was over the top, right? So this was the... Jacket Potato and Toppings restaurant. Yeah, well, um, thank you for doing a bit of research. (laughs) Yes, it was basically, you could order a a steak, a a bit of chicken, a bit of lamb, and a a burger, and a jacket potato. And over the top of it, there were 10 toppings you could choose and put on it. And each of the toppings weren't very good, Mm. and it was just not a good concept. And I hate that word concept anyway. But it was a concept, yeah, and it just didn't work. Yeah, and then when did you call it quits? You know, how how did the end sort of come? Did you just shutter it one day, or what happened? Well, it it I, it wasn't just one. We had a couple. Uh-huh. I had a couple um, over the tops. I was I started the restaurant when just it's something that has taught me that as soon as sales drop, what usually happens you start cutting costs. So oh. you then end up reducing the opening hours or you reduce the amount of people working there. You you do all sorts of things, which just makes it worse for the customer, yeah. not better, mm-hmm. and then in turn makes the sales go down and you lose more money than save money yeah. that you're trying to save. Yeah. So that is a big lesson. Yeah, And I did all that, so the sales went even further mm. down. And... I've entered a delivery service because I thought, well, and I called it Square Meals. Oh. <laughs> and uh, I went out and got a moped on, uh-huh. on HP and I did a leaflet drop at Fulham Broadway tube station mm-hmm. every morning, early in the morning. And then the phones would ring. I'd have seven videos and a small menu. And then the idea was people would choose... Mm-hmm. You know, something from the menu and a video, and I would deliver it to them. Oh, so you were like a blockbuster type thing as well? Well, you know, or, a, or it was an early Netflix, early, early, delivery, yeah, early yeah. delivery, but it, it, yeah. yeah. I think we did a, I did about 10 deliveries before that, yeah. that collapsed. But I just learning all along mm-hmm. that, that, that what should be right. And I was lucky enough to have enough money to turn one of the over-the-tops, one in Soho, into Café Bohème. Mm-hmm. So it's the same company. We never went bust. Uh-huh. And the banks were knocking on the door and saying, you owe me a lot of money. Um, my shareholders, you know, which weren't all friends and families, were outside shareholders, mm-hmm. were getting more and more impatient. And we turned it once more into Café Bohème. And I'm lucky to say that yeah. Café Bohème is still there 30 years later. And it's what then created, the same company, mm-hmm. created the rest of the company. Amazing. And then 
cafe bro um, sort of skipping through that slightly um, just so we can get into Soul House and all that great stuff so with that I guess you were sort of learning from your experience before how to do it right it was a different clientele right than, than, than full and Broadway so there was a lot more kind of artists and creatives and things like that coming in yeah so I mean Soho was full of you know it was it was in early 90s Soho was busy yeah. um, the over the top was never busy customer very clever yeah. tried it didn't go back mm. didn't tell told everyone it was rubbish mm. don't go there and and I kept examining why people wouldn't come to overtop and I was I had enough nows to realize that it just frankly wasn't good enough yeah. and basically with cafe bone we just I did everything different you know, I think the design is great it's yeah. the same design now we opened at eight in the morning and we closed at three in the morning and it was like a chameleon style restaurant which just went on and on and on yeah. and changed with what people wanted and felt like. So if people just wanted a cup of coffee or a jug mm-hmm. of beer or a plate of fritz, they could have that. Yeah. There was no contingent, you have to have a knife and fork supper. And by having that attitude, it created atmosphere and then people would eat. Yeah, And... Luckily, it was pretty busy from the moment we opened until the moment we closed every day and put jazz in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Everything was what the customer wanted. And if a customer wanted it, we would do it and the customer would would reward you generously Mm -hmm. because they would keep coming back. Yeah. And obviously a big design shift as well, right? So from over the top to that, you know, looking a lot more yeah. soul housey. Yeah. So where did that come from? Was that well, you my mum helped me, uh-huh. and I just did everything different from what I did at over the top. So old floorboards, church chairs, church yeah. pews. You know, I really wanted to make it feel very bohemian. Yeah. I wanted to make it feel not perfect. I wanted it to make it feel just full of atmosphere with no one in it. Yeah. And I think Cafe Berm is really the basis of. Everything I learned at Cafe Boehm is I put into Sour House. Yeah, yeah. And what about the first Soul House then? What what happened there? Because that feels like a big jump to a private members club. Well, it was no plan and no dream. Um, it was just a phone call from my landlord, um, John James, who said, the building above you, we own the whole building, they, they own the whole building, mm-hmm. Soho Estates, Paul Raymond, John James', John James son-in-law, phoned me and said, <clears throat> I allot to him, uh, it said, you know, the building's come above, above is available, do you, did, what, do you want to have a look at it? So I went and had a look at it, went to see Paul Raymond. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, I went to my shareholders and investors, they said, absolutely no way, Nick, you're just concentrating on Café Bohème. But Paul Raymond... And he said he told me he wasn't going to invest any money in it, so I I had to go and tell him that I couldn't do it. Mm. And it had a small door, and I so it was three houses in Soho. Soho House was the obvious name. I had this idea that it had to be a private members club, even though I'd never been to one. Mm-hmm. I, I felt that's what it had to be. Mm-hmm. And just as I was leaving his apartment, he called me back and he said, "Well, what happens if I?" put the money in for the refurb, but then I charge it onto your rent and you just have to pay that for the period of the lease. Yeah. And I went, okay. And that's how Sower House, 40 Greek Street, first opened. Fantastic. 
And then you've just opened in Brighton of late, and yes. then Manchester coming. Yes, indeed. And then any others in the pipeline you can talk about? Or not well, so much? yes. I mean, we're talking about Glasgow. Uh-huh. Um, we're, I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty more this year coming. Uh-huh. Um, we've got Sao Paulo and Mexico happening this year. Um, Portland happening this year. Uh-huh. So we've already opened Bangkok. Amazing. Um, which is which was which is doing good. So yeah, there's 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 plenty opening. Nice. And then I was just thinking about business diversity, um and, and the Soho sort of vision and mission and all that. So you do talk a lot and you've said it already in terms of wanting a room that's full of people just having a good time. So in terms of this uh, the vision that holds all this together because you've got foundation things going on which are excellent love to talk about those you've got the houses you've got the houses in cities with no house um you know and soho home on you know on on the internet for example all these things like how do you manage to keep all these things together and on brand because it's so on brand you know everything you do you can tell it's from you so where does that come from well been a bit of a twat, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> you know, being on it all the time. I mean, I, 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 I there's a certain feel and look that we want, mm-hmm. um, and you know, the house foundations is very important to me mm-hmm. because you know I really do feel we are a platform where we want people to flourish, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where they come from, what background they come from, and we. Yeah, everyone's got a right to a future. Everyone has a right to getting into the creative industries. Mm-hmm. And we got these fantastic members who really want to help people yeah. flourish and progress. So um, that works really well for us. And, and we got foundations in lots of different areas. Mm-hmm. But helping people through apprentice schemes, through... Um, the, the mentoring schemes is something I'm very passionate about. Yeah. So we're doing a lot of that at this precise moment. And going back to your other point, which was about how do we keep it all, you know, looking and feeling in the in the right sort of way, you're a brilliant team. Mm. And a lot of people have been with the team a long time. Mm-hmm. We got a brilliant you know, the person who took over as CEO from me, Andrew, is doing a phenomenal job. He's got great attention to detail and he's really sort of, you know, he he, sort, he sorted out so many parts of a business I couldn't sort out, for instance, so at home. Um, so it's exciting times ahead. So with the, the Soho House journey as well, I mean, has there been any times you've been like worried about getting to a new country where it's just not been you know, adopted that well or, or places that hasn't worked that well or, you know, what's your views on that? I mean, first of all, every country we go into and every new site I open, I worry. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, and I think that keeps us sharp. Mm-hmm. I think if you sort of suddenly feel, you know, we can go anywhere and it works. Yeah. Um, there have been countries which have taken longer than we expected mm-hmm. and more work needed to be put into it. Or we went into countries and we were sort of in our little Soho bubble and thinking that more people might have known about us than they did. Yeah. And you know, we, we, we're, hopefully we're, we're self-aware enough to fix that very quickly and not make that mistake again. Yeah. So every new opening, we take as much time and effort as the last one. It's, mm-hmm. 
is exactly the same as when I did 40 Greek Street in the first place. And we start with a fresh piece of paper. We design it differently. Every building's different. And we really look at the the DNA of a building Mm -hmm. to start with, the DNA of a city. Mm -hmm. And then we just, the last 20% of the DNA is our DNA, which we incorporate into the house. So every house feels very different. But I think if you walked into any house, you you would feel that it was part of a sewer house. A creative agency for the hospitality sector, Saved by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish Restaurant of the Year Sugar Boat to Tip Jar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, Saved by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. Bradley and I were just saying Bradley's doing some filming with us. Um, It's the best welcome I've ever had for a podcast ever. You know, we just came in and just felt, you know, like members. And then when we came up, um, it was, you know, help yourself to... Um, you know the the buffet and have a coffee and you know people were giving me instructions to work the desk and just all these things you just thought wow you know and you know when you take on team members and this is at every level what are you telling them you know or how are you finding them you know with that in them because it's not easy well I I, I personally um, you know when I did a lot of this mm. <clears throat> I would usually be able to tell within five minutes mm-hmm. and I think that's how long a customer has, really. I mean, they probably have a bit less than five yeah. minutes. So it's forget their skill set. You can help them and develop their skill set. But their personality is mm. something and their can-do attitude. And I think person, uh, I think hospitality is so important for that. Is You, you know, it's, the clue is in the name. <laughs> you, know, you, you have to like people. You have to get on with people yeah. and you have to want to make their lives better yeah. when they're in the place that you're working at. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time people get confused that it's, you know, they're working at customs at an airport yeah. <laughs> and rather than working in a place where you're welcoming people yeah. and you're thinking outside the box and you're not, if it if, if they want something which doesn't come in with a, a square box of what you say, then, you know, look left and right and if it's legal and possible, make it happen. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I always enjoy in, 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 in the dictionary, I think the definition of hospitality actually says the Scottish hospitality is very good, so I always get off on that. <laughs> but no, I, I, I think it is just hiring for attitude and we are finding that more and more with uh, Hospitality Rising that you've very kindly invested in and we can talk about that as well. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of that, we're really seeing that the millennial and, and centennial Gen Z generation, they really don't want to be screened in the same way or judged in the same way as people were before. So I think we're going to have to actually blow up the application process and how people actually come in, you know, and and, and how they're received. And I saw a chef the other week going crazy because someone had sent him an email and and it was just a blank email. But the title just said, do you have any jobs going? Question mark. And this chef was going nuts because this person hasn't attached the CV. And and I think, I was like, you're thinking about this wrong this person has shown some initiative 
it is how the kids sort of message each other these days. Actually, they could be a great hire. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not one for looking at a CV. I mean, anyone can write anything on a CV. Yeah. You know, it's it's it's. Is it worth the paper it's written on? I don't know. Yeah. You know, but meet the person, yeah. and and if they got the confidence, whatever they ask you, you know, have you got any jobs going? I'll yeah. go. Well, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, we have. Yes. Get on the phone, get on a Zoom, come in and see us, and within five minutes, you'll you'll you you have this dialogue, and and you can, I think, work out whether they're gonna if they're gonna they're gonna really flourish and enjoy themselves within within the business. Yeah, no, definitely, and also it doesn't need to be the most extroverted person. You know, there's just that willingness to help other people. I think is 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 the key. Absolutely, then, you, you know, can be as like shy guy like me. You know, or you could be very unconfident. You know, it 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 doesn't matter. Yeah. Give it a go because yeah. you might find this as a the bit which unlocks the the inner side of you to great things. Definitely. So just sticking on the staff thing, then. I mean, obviously, we're, we're wanting to talk about that today. So, how are you finding things at Soul House? Getting staff at the moment. You know, how's that working for you? Well. Coming out of a pandemic over a year ago was really difficult, mm. and you know, and I and I'm really sympathetic to everyone in hospitality. You know, there was a yeah, there, there was a, you know, people didn't want to work like mm. they used to. Um, you know, hospitality, and I say whenever I you know I I do a breakfast every Wednesday with new new people who've opened, mm. started with us or people who've been with us for a while. I go. You know, it, it isn't easy. You know, when we can't, we're not offering a cotton wool existence in hospitality. Yeah. But, you know, there is a, a degree of robustness you need. You know, it is, you can be on your feet for a long period of time. You can, it, it's it's quite physical in, 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 in its nature. Um, but it's incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. And, just getting to know all your colleagues and working as a team and it, it is so I mean I, I, I sound that every time I talk about you know the people in hospitality I'm always trying to pitch to a load of people to join and I am because yeah. I'm just so lucky I found it mm-hmm. and but going back to your question which was how are we finding it now it was really difficult mm-hmm. and because we used to do a lot of recruiting directly from Europe mm-hmm. um into in into our restaurants mm-hmm. and now obviously with brexit we can't do that and i do hope government figure out a way on trying to make um you know not just skilled people to get jobs in this country but to let other people come in and work here yeah because um, we need that mm-hmm. um britain has always needed that yeah uh and i also hope that there's a lot of people who are who are out there who are thinking of what to do give it a go even if it's just for a year or two years because you'll have skills that you can always use Mm. and I can always tell people who have done a year in hospitality you just see it how they just pick up some glasses or talk to you or or you see them talking to someone else they have a way about them which you can't learn at any 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 higher education i don't think yeah. i think you can learn it in hospitality or get hospitality jobs in your holidays etc but going back to how it is now it is getting easier um you know people are are you know we're not looking for as 
nearly as many people as we were looking for. Um, we work very hard on retaining people and trying to look after them mm-hmm. and trying to look after them while they're, they're with us and also making sure they develop within the company and if they want to progress, mm-hmm. we, we're a great company for people to progress in. So it's getting better, but it's not perfect. Yeah, and also for a while, um, you know, you were really sort of in the forefront of a lot of the hiring where uh, you were doing the flexible hiring. Um, so flex and a lot of people were like really like talking about it. You know, everyone's going, wow, have you seen this? Oh my God, that's unbelievable. Um, is that something that worked well? Yeah, it did work yeah. well. Um, it, it, I think at, at times it sort of made some of our managers not focus on recruiting mm-hmm. full-time people yeah. and looking after full-time people because they all has they had a, a prop in the fact that if people didn't turn up there was always flex yeah so I think flex is really important but not as the last resort mm-hmm. the last resort it's got to be, the first resort's got to be making sure you have a really good permanent team yeah I think that's a great point you made as well I remember talking to uh, Kate Nichols at UKH um, about this and, and it was something we were considering for the Hospitality Rising advertising which was and it, we might still in the future but working in hospitality makes you a better everything so yeah. it actually makes you a better father, mother, friend you know as you're saying just the clearing up thing or and, and there almost seems to be a, a secret Masonic handshake a little bit between people that have been in hospitality in a way where you know, I've been to a lot of restaurants where you chat to the staff or you maybe tip them. And they're a bit like, do you work in hospitality? And you're like, yeah. It's just something, you, yeah. as you say. Well, just I mean, it's an tell. appreciation, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's not always easy. Yeah. And I'm really clear about that. This is, this is not always easy. Yeah. This is not, and, 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 but it's so rewarding. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's so enjoyable, you know, yep. but I guess you, you, you need to be wired that way. So just thinking about Hospitality Rising then, so that's how we first met. Um, so very kindly, you got me down to um, Brighton Beach House when it was just in its finishing stages. Um, so we were stepping over some wires and things like that. And then we had a chat about Hospitality Rising. And I think what impressed me so much, and just to blow some smoke for a bit, was the best investors we've had in Hospitality Rising have said, yes, we'll invest. That's fine. But the killer question or killer sort of compliment is, what else can we do for you? Um, and that was the big thing. And the best investors that we have in Hospitality Horizon have been the ones that have said, what more can we do? Of course we'll invest, but, you know. So just to tell you, I was telling you just off mic there, um, but just to repeat it. So we've been doing really well, which is great news. And as an investor, it's good to tell you these things. Um, so we've had almost 100,000 applications um, we've got 49% recall of the campaign in 24 weeks, so that's not too shabby, I don't think. We raised almost a million pounds, you know, from a sheet with an idea. Um, um, but the big one is that consideration looks to have moved from one in five people considering working in hospitality to one in three. So I didn't even expect the needle to move at all because a lot of people with consideration, it takes so long to go up and so long to come down. So I didn't think it would have moved at all. But, I mean, are you surprised by those stats? Well, I, I'd, I'd like to blow a bit of smoke. And, <laughs> and Mark, you know, I think what you've done is phenomenal. You, you know, I'm a, I, 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 I know that you put way beyond what you talk about into this. And, you know, raising a million pounds 
out of hard hard up hospitality companies Mm. is no mean feat and you know 100,000 applications which wouldn't have come without you and your drive is incredible and I think the conversion i.e the figures you just said is hugely impressive Mm. and I think you know I just really encourage anyone who might be listening to this to really help Mark and what he's doing with Hospitality Rising because I think it's something we will continue supporting at Soho House and yeah, I I just think we all have a personal, you know, if you're in hospitality, we all have a personal sort of right, not right but we a, a personal thing that we have to try and encourage more people to get into hospitality not just because it will help our businesses but also it will help them as people. Yeah, and I think what you're saying before, you know, a lot of people then won't trade two or three days but as you say, it's worse for the customer yeah. and yes, you might be saving but in the long term, and I think there's a great phrase, I've had a mentor all my life called Robert Bean and Robert always used to say, and still does, he's still alive. <laughs> so he used to say, you know, you can't shrink a business to greatness, yep. you know. And, you know, and I, I think that's one of the, the, the biggest things that we're trying to get across to people is saying, look, yes, we'll help the short term. We will help you get mm. applications in. That's yep. fine. But there's lots of companies doing that. But the bit that we'll change is that longer term consideration. And, and can you imagine at that careers officer stage or in schools or whatever it is where we can actually talk to people, and it, it, we're one of the top five things that people want to go into. I mean, even if we got to top five, you know, doctors, lawyers, you know, insurance companies, whatever uh, it is, finance. And, and absolutely, you know? and, and I know, you know, kids when they're coming out of school go, well, shall I go to university? <clears throat> what degree shall I do? Yeah. Or shall I get an apprenticeship in hospitality? Or just go and work my job around in different jobs in hospitality? Yeah. You know, I can... I, I'm not saying you shouldn't do the university route, but you will learn an incredible amount about life Mm -hmm. and not end up with a debt at the end of it. And you would have found yourself a career which you will enjoy for a long time. Yeah, well, I remember I did a podcast with Rory Sutherland um, from Ogilvy a little while ago, and he's a kind of behavioural scientist, uh, you know, behavioural expert, and he was saying two things. So one, and I think we could do this as companies, but also as Hospitality Rising, get people to apply in groups. So thinking back to, you know, when I worked on our price records on a Saturday and all the rest of it, um, it's a lot less intimidating to if a group of you apply yep. to go and work somewhere. Yep. So I think that's I think that's something we, we still need to do. And then the second thing is he was actually going to write a piece for the, you know one of the magazines he writes for, I think it's maybe Spectator, and he was going to talk about lobbying the government to say, if you work in industry, specifically hospitality, for two years after school, that then you would get your uni or college paid for, or in some way. Yeah. And actually, so many people just would then stay, because it's such a alluring place to be that if they just tried it, actually, they would love it. Yeah. And they would stay. Um, so I think there's a lot in that as well to be said for that, you know. Well, I think there's a lot government can do to help. Yeah. And I've, I, I think tourism and hospitality in the UK is an industry that we all should be proud of. Yeah. And I think there should be more help. Yeah. And, you know, um, to, to encourage people to come in homegrown. I mean, if you, if you, if you, if you go to 
France, mm. you know, part of an educational syllable mm. is hotel management. Yeah. You know, you go to a hotel management class yeah. when you're 13 or 14. Mm. You know, it's putting it into the mainstream education. And yeah. I'm not saying we should do that, but I think there should be more done about encouraging people to get into hospitality. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing that we want to do. So we just had a strategy, strategy session for Hospitality Rising for the next year, you know, what we're going to do. So I think, and we get a lot of calls for, what about the 55-year-olds and what about this and what about that? And that's fine, but I think we should be focused. And I think Hospitality Rising should be about the future of, you know. And as you're saying, wouldn't it be great if, because it's all our thing now, we're all getting a bit grey-haired and whatever. So hospitality is ours to be the bastions of, that we want to pass it on to be a better place than when we joined, right? So I think... When getting into schools is making me really excited. So getting into schools and also colleges and unis, but doing it in a great way. So at the moment, obviously, hats off to everyone that goes into schools and all that at the moment, but I'd love there to be almost a a, a more coordinated way that we do it, you know, that's interactive and exciting. And wouldn't it be great if we could manage to get some help like we did for Hospitality Rising where we work with the best learning consultants out there that do things for Lego and Nike and all these people and TikTok and whatever. And we actually go into schools with that hat on rather than two cassette banners, a chef with a frying pan and a cocktail shaker. You know, it would be, wouldn't it be amazing if we could actually leapfrog what the other industries are trying to do, you know, to get people well, that would be, That would be amazing. Yeah. You know, any, any, any way of getting into people's minds that hospitality is a good industry to get into. And, and going back to what you originally said about the, the over 55, mm. well, if everyone had a little taste of hospitality at a younger age, mm. then when you're 55 and you're needing to go back into hospitality, then that's going to help you a lot as well. Yeah. And, and I encourage anyone who's 55 to apply to get into hospitality Definitely. because I think, you know, it's an industry for everyone. Definitely. And, you know, it's interesting, there's a, there's a great Dalai Lama quote that says, if we taught every uh, child at school now to meditate, in two generations' time there'd be no wars. And it's a little bit like that. I mean, not that I'm comparing it exactly, but it's a little bit like that. If we trained everyone in hospitality and to appreciate it, yeah. and, you know, then, you know, we, we would fill that funnel long, you know, longer term. Um, you know, so I think that's definitely where, where we're going to focus and, and, and what's going to happen. So I'm just conscious of your time too, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, but in terms of then thinking about persuading an 18 to 24 year old to join. So I remember from your chat with Tom Hetherington um, up in Manchester, you, you said some brilliant things, which was you were always just looking at what your kids were into and, and their friends to give you an idea and, and keep you tapped in. So again, thinking about that, you know, how would you persuade someone that's on that precipice of four or five things to actually get into hospitality? What, what would you be saying to them? Well, a lot of what I've already yeah. said, which is, you know, what it does to your personality and your ability to get on with people and and you're not making a life decision here yeah. to give it a go yeah you, you're not you're not losing out on anything you don't have to get married you don't yeah you you're not you you know you give it a go for three months yeah and if it doesn't work out maybe it doesn't work out but I would give every I, I really I mean I only talk from from my the amount of people who I've seen flourish in hospitality and what it's done to me as a person, mm-hmm. and 
and you know you can be an entrepreneur within hospitality much yeah. easier yeah. i think than necessarily being an entrepreneur in other industries yeah. you can open your own little bar you you know i mean sure there's you, you need finance and you need you need a, you know an element of luck to be able to do that but if, if you're determined, you yeah. you will find that. Yeah. And I I I just think it, you 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 really are widening. If you're between eighteen and twenty four, and you're figuring out what to do, mm-hmm. you're really widening your options now and later on. If yeah. you give hospitality a go, and I think also it's a lot about saying yes, isn't it? So yes, I'll go and work in the kitchen. Yes, I'll do the coffees. Yeah. Yes, I'll do front of house. Yes, I'll look at the text. Yes, I'll take photographs for social media. And just putting yourself about. And, and I, I think people tend to be a bit, you know, if I, you know, when I was 17 and really figuring out going into hospitality, I didn't sort of, I didn't look at hospitality down the end of my nose and think, well, I'm, I'm slightly better than that. Yeah. You know, and I think it's, we still suffer from that in hospitality yeah. a bit where people feel, well, I'm not, I'm there to be served, not to serve. Yeah. And... You know, I think that's such a wrong way of looking at it. And I think, you know, everyone should serve everyone and everyone yeah. should be served by people. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a, it's just something that shouldn't be a, a reason not to give it a go. Yeah. And then just in terms of the promotion of it, I was really tickled by Fred's Last Resort. Did you hear about this on Channel 4? So Fred Syriax, you know. Oh yes, Fred. yes. Uh, yeah. So um, funnily enough, as I was getting on the train, one of the contestants from it walked past me. A you've, lady called you've, Heather. You've had quite a day today, Wait, haven't you? <laughs> First day out of Brighton since November, and um, one of Fred's contestants walking past you. <laughs> All of I didn't. I was going to run for a selfie, but yeah, I never, I never managed to catch her. But you know, I think there's something around that. Although TV scene is old school and whatever, I think there's a lot of television potential for you know food programs have never been hotter in that sense but I think you know a Netflix show with like Ed Gamble and James yeah. A. Caster doing yeah. their thing or you know I'd, I'd, and, and also we've got no shortage of great venues great food great people I'm I'm really excited about that kind of content creation as well to get the message out well, there there's some great podcasts out there isn't mm. there and, and, and I think food I mean it's food and Talking about food, I mean, yeah. as a family, we talk too much about food. We're, <laughs> we're, we're always two meals ahead, figuring yeah. out what we're having and, and, and how it's going to be cooked and whatever. Yeah. And I, I just think it's such a passion and it's yeah. something you do at least three times a day. Yeah. And you should just really get into the whole food thing. Yeah, definitely. And then did you learn any good tricks when you were in the kitchen back then Have you, that you've carried with you for life? Well, I can turn a potato... A carrot. Yeah. I can I can chop an onion quite quickly. I I know how to fry things and stir them with my my hand. Yeah, yeah. lots of things. And I love cooking. It taught me to love cooking as yeah. well. And it taught you to dodge a frying pan from an angry chef. Yes, and uh, I had a few of them and and a, and a few other things. But it that was all part of it. Yeah. And I, you know, even you know in those days. It was very robust in a kitchen, but it wasn't meant with malice. It was meant by, you know, and I know things have rightly changed and it's it's better now, yeah. but it, 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 it again, you know, just taught you a lot as well. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, last couple of things then. So I was just going to ask you, I mean, there's so much we could have went on for days with all the questions I sent through to you, um, but... 
just some fun stuff then uh, in a wee second. But just before we do that, what's next for you and what's next for Soul House? Um, what's going on there? Well, you know, I'm founder. Uh, I love the business dearly. I'm there to really help Andrew and his management team grow so a house and make life for our best members better mm-hmm. uh, you know my my I wake up every day and go how can our members flourish professionally and how can they flourish socially and can I create that room mm-hmm. full of people which make that happen yeah so we'll just do more of that and I love it great cool okay and then next couple of openings so Manchester Glasgow is Africa ever on the cards? Oh, I'd happening? love Africa. You know, um, you know, we're we're looking like mad to open in in a number of countries in Africa. Yeah. That'll be exciting. We'll we'll keep we'll keep looking at that. And Glasgow, I can't wait for. There's a lot. There's a lot of people very interested about Glasgow. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll be your little champion for that as well, and try and get you some memberships. Okay, last couple of questions. Fun stuff. So, favorite city to eat in? Ooh. Um, <clears throat> Well, I, I think Paris. Yeah. You know, I'm old school. I love I love Paris. Yeah. Um I think Paris is on the up again. Mm-hmm. I think their food scene's sort of skipped a generation or two. Mm-hmm. Um so I think Paris. Great. Favourite hotel? Well, I'm gonna say the Hotel de Cap okay. in south of France. Uh-huh. Luckily, occasionally I've been able to stay there. Um and it's just old school glamour and the staff are always the same. Great. Any celeb spotting when you're there? There's the odd one, but, yeah. you know, we don't talk about it. <laughs> Not Fred's latest contestant <laughs> on his uh, last resort. <laughs> uh, you got a favourite coffee shop? Um, I'm going to go Blake's. Uh-huh. In, in, um, it's in a village just near us. Uh-huh. I live in Bampton uh-huh. in Oxfordshire. And they bake their own bread. In fact, we have an outpost of it of a farm, um, so our farmhouse. Um, and, yeah, they, they, they do great coffee, they make great sourdough, and their, 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 their buns are fantastic. Nice. That's a quote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then favourite bar or pub? Well, I'm going to stay local again. Yep. Um, the bell near me is fantastic, run by Pete and Tom. Mm-hmm. Um and I was there on Friday for a family dinner. The food's great, the beer's great, and they're just brilliant people who run a great pub. Nice. Favourite drink? Pint of bitter. Uh-huh. Glass of red wine. Okay. Any particular kinds? Well, you know, I, I, I like going local on the bitter. Oh, yeah. So, you know, because I live in Oxfordshire, I have hooky. Oh, yeah. Um, and red wine, I like a Bordeaux. Okay. Nice. And then last one, favourite restaurant? Well, I'm going to say River Cafe. Yes. And uh, it's it's a sort of family institution to mm-hmm. us at the Joneses. Um, you know, my kids have worked there. Uh, Kirstie and I have eaten there ever since we've known each other. Mm-hmm. Our girls <clears throat> ate there when in high chairs. Yep. And we go there regularly, um, you know, uh, as, a, as, a, as a treat, but as, a, yeah. as something we, we love. And the... Uh, the food is always fantastic. The service is fantastic. And, you know, they just do such a brilliant job down there. Yeah, it's really interesting. There's people, it's probably the most consistent one that people have said is their absolute favourite. Yeah, yeah. definitely. It does so well. You got a favourite dish there? Well, you know, weirdly, I, I love the pigeon. 
Uh-huh. You know, because I, I sort of always go for dishes which I can't really cook at home. Uh-huh. And they, they do this great pushy, uh, pigeon dish. Or, I mean, all their pasta dishes yeah. are fantastic. Yeah. And and, we're, um, and as a family, we're sort of greedy enough to have a pasta course. Okay, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which is sandwiched between the main and the yep. starter. Um, but it's always fantastic. Great. Fantastic. Okay, well, I love you and leave you. Thank you so much well, for taking the time. thank you for having me on. And, um, you know... If you, if anyone's listening, just encourage people to get into hospitality. Definitely. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Wow. So there you go. That's it. That was a great chance to have a close-up and personal chat with Nick and really get most of, well, some of the questions that I wanted to get out and hopefully the ones that you wanted to know all about. I purposefully skipped a lot of Soho House stuff in terms of the detail. He's done that in many other podcasts. There's a great episode with Stephen Bartlett on Diary of a CEO. I'd really recommend checking that out. But if you just go on to iTunes or Spotify and you search for Nick Jones, you will get some episodes on there where Nick has talked about that in greater detail. But I thought it was quite important to really talk about the pressing issues that we have in hospitality and get Nick's take on it. I'm just so blessed that Nick said yes. Thank you so much for allowing the time for the Supersonic Podcast to talk to you. I wish Nick well, his family well, and of course Soul House well and the whole team. And I can't wait to get back there to have the best Bloody Mary in the world. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity and serve guests better. Just visit vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic and get in touch with the team right away. That's vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off for another podcast and I'm really looking forward to the next time we're together. Next time, we'll hear from many, many more interesting people with top tips, tricks and tales that will make your brand boom.